The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. What would you do if you knew you were going to die or that someone you loved was going to die? Well, guess what? You are and you do. No mai, hari mai, and welcome to Death Walker's Guide to Life, a euphemism-free show that deals with everything about death and dying you wish you knew but were afraid to ask. In it, we'll explore together how thinking and talking about death can help you live a life without regrets. Ko Kerry Sunderland Toko Inua. My name is Kerry Sunderland and I'm the host and producer of the show, which is first broadcast on Fresh FM in Titoihu, the top of Aotearoa, New Zealand's South Island, and then available around the world on many of the major podcast platforms. Deathwalker's Guide to Life is produced with the support of the Tasman District Creative Community Scheme, so big thanks to them. And if you'd like to find out how to get involved or wish to support the show in other ways, please go to the website, which is deathwalkersguidetolife.com. And thank you for joining me for episode five of season two of Deathwalker's Guide to Life. In today's show, I'll be exploring the intrinsic link between death and grief and poetry and songwriting. It's a very special show because joining me in the studio will be Nick Faint, singer and songwriter and jewellery artist, and he'll be here talking about his new album, Next Exit from Babylon, and we'll be playing some of the songs on the show. But before I korero with Nick, it's time for the first bookend, Death in Print. Today I'd like to talk about a new book out this year called Actions and Travels, How Poetry Works by Anna Jackson. Anna Jackson is a New Zealand poet who grew up in Auckland and now lives in Island Bay, Wellington. Actions and Travels is her latest book and it's a brilliant introduction to how poetry works through 100 poems. Jackson examines poems by poets who are long dead as well as by those who are busting into the contemporary poetry scene both here in Aotearoa, New Zealand and around the world. Now when you search for top poems about death online Google helpfully shows you a list of other related questions, including what poets write about death? Perhaps the question should really be what poets don't write about death? Poetry, and as we will explore very soon, songwriting, can evoke emotions in a way that perhaps other forms of writing cannot. In Jackson's book, there's a helpful index at the back, And death and grief is one of the key topics, with no less than 34 pages exploring poems about end of life and bereavement. Indeed, the book even opens with a short poem by John Keats. And this is the poem. This living hand, now warm and capable, of earnest grasping, would if it were cold. And in the icy silence of the tomb, so haunt thy days and chill thy dreaming nights, that thou would wish thine own heart dry of blood, 
so in my veins red life might stream again. And though be conscious calmed, see here it is, I hold it towards you. Jackson writes, This short poem by John Keats is the most haunting representation I know of the power of poetry to reach out to another person even after death. It is an icy hand or a warm hand that we grasp as readers. There is such a powerful warmth and urgency in the way the poet reaches out from this poem. It can feel as if it is the reader's own urgent responsibility to bring the poem, if not the poet himself, back to life. One of my favourite poems about death, by the way, is Do Not Stand at My Grave and Weep by Mary Elizabeth Fry. This was the poem I chose to print on the order of service for my late husband Steve's funeral and memorial service. It's written in the voice of the deceased, and the poem suggests that if we're open to the possibility, our loved ones continue to travel with us through the world, even though they are no longer here in their physical form. You're listening to Deathwalker's Guide to Life. Coming up, I'll be talking with Nick Faint. You're listening to Deathwalker's Guide to Life with Kerry Sunderland. Now it's time to welcome my guest on today's show, Nick Faint, who has travelled over Takaka Hill from his home in Golden Bay to join me in the Motueka studio today. Nick has been playing guitar and writing songs for more than 25 years. He's the father of two, about to be three, and he's also a successful jeweller and has always loved playing music and has just released his new album, Next Exit from Babylon. His last full-length album, I think, was released in 2003. I'll ask Nick a bit more about that in a moment too. Nick brings heartfelt storytelling to his songwriting style and draws audiences into his performances with his authentic Kiwi style. And I can attest to that because I saw him perform uh, about a month ago, I think it was, at the Golden Bear in Mapua. It was a fantastic show. So kia ora, Nick, and welcome to Deathwalker's Guide to Life. Hi there, thanks so much for having me. You're very welcome. So, because we're talking about death walking and death literacy, I'm going to ask you first up, before we get into talking about songwriting and your music, to tell me a little bit more about your first memory or experience of death. Yeah, so my first experience of death, I come from a very numb family. We didn't really talk about that sort of thing much. And I had this old uh, next door neighbour called Ernie Williams. This was down in Dunedin. And um, he was very special to me. I used to go and spend a lot of time with him after school, helping him in the garden. And then I remember one morning I got up and my dad said, um, oh, Nick, I've got some news. Ernie died last night. And I just went into this sort of numb shock, turned around, went back in my room and closed the door. And, yeah, I don't. it wasn't until much later, 10 years later, that I unpacked a whole lot of grief I had around it. Mm. So yeah, it was yeah. There wasn't a lot of feeling with it, and and I also remember um, with my mother a, a couple of years ago, we were having some glasses of wine, and she talked about how her father had died when she was in her twenties, and and a similar thing. She had this massive outpouring of grief because she'd had a couple of wines, I think, and just realizing how in our family, yeah, there just wasn't uh, it just wasn't a thing to sort of express grief. Mm. Yeah, I don't think that's uncommon in 
Well, certainly Pākehā families maybe in New Zealand. Certainly in my experience growing up in suburban, very sort of white, middle-class Melbourne. And Indigenous cultures do it quite differently to our, to mm. the way we've been brought up. And things that I think are beginning to change as well. Do you think so? I think so, yeah. yeah. I think this generation, and I guess I've, I've been spending basically my adult life learning not to be numb, and, to, and I think I've taught something different to my boys. So, yeah, I hope things are changing. Interestingly, I'm from Melbourne too. <laughs> so my, my mum was from Melbourne and, okay, my, and yeah. my grandparents. So all, yeah. the, all the grief stories are from Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you were in Melbourne at the time you were talking about with the neighbour? Uh, no, with the neighbour. I oh. was in Dunedin by then. We'd okay. moved. Yeah. 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 So you spent the early part of your life, though, in Melbourne? Yeah, the first, just the first five years. But we used to travel back a lot and because um, my grandparents lived there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also my next experience of death was my grandma dying, and it was a similar thing. That was in Melbourne too, and I remember going to this funeral home, and the uh, the funeral director was going on and on about the colour of my grandmother's lipstick. She was lying in this coffin. And that was the first time I'd seen a dead body, and it just seemed so banal to me that the only conversation she could have with my mum was, shall we change the colour of the lipstick on my grandmother? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how you felt seeing your grandmother? Yeah, it was pretty shocking for me. Well, like I say, that was my first dead body. And, um, yeah, it was very surreal just walking around this coffin and seeing my grandma because I was quite close to it. There's another song about my grandmother, actually, which is on my first album, which is, um, yeah, about the experience of her getting old and struggling with that. Um, yeah, it was very surreal and... Yeah, I think I just, again, I think I just numbed it out, basically. Mm. Mm. So that's a nice segue into talking about songwriting because mm. the theme for today's show, we're looking at the relationship between death and grief and poetry and songwriting. Mm. So just tell us a little bit before we go on to the um, talking about the latest album about how you got into songwriting and maybe you could tell us a little bit about the first album as well. Mm. Mm. Um, well, I've, yeah, like, like you introduced, I've been doing it for quite a long time with uh, mixed results. Um, it's just it's just been kind of a like some draw from my being of something that I need to do. And you know, when I started, I wasn't very good, but I could still feel this draw to do it. And yeah, it, it was a struggle because it didn't really land because I wasn't very good. And but yet, I felt like I had this draw to do it. And um, why so, do you say you weren't very good? <laughs> Is that just uh, beating yourself up, like the artistic? No, no, I don't think thing? so. I, re- I'd, I really wasn't very good, <laughs> I, but partly because I was really numb okay. and I struggled to. Yeah. yeah, I think I just learned a lot more about expressing myself over the years. And yeah, like the first album I did, I, I recorded it in Golden Bay when I first moved to Golden Bay. I remember nine eleven happened in the middle of it. <laughs> One morning I got up in the middle of the album recording, and nine eleven had just happened, and um. But it was a lot of, yeah, the first album was a lot of, um, there was a lot of drugs and alcohol involved around recording it and it was just numb and I just wasn't able to express things the way I wanted to, mm. yeah. Were you the first in your family to make music or was it something that you sort of grew up with? And oh, no, yeah, no, I was definitely the first. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't, I didn't grow up with any music yeah. at all. And in fact, I didn't start making music till I was like, really in my 30s early 30s yeah I, did, I definitely didn't do it and when I was younger in fact I thought 
when I remember being at high school and thinking people who went to music and that were like real geeks <laughs> and like looking down on them. So yeah, I feel sad about that now because I really wish that I'd had the chance to do it earlier. Yes, yeah. Mm. I guess probably another shared experience for me um, growing up in that very death-phobic um, Australian culture, British um, culture, yeah. I found that music was just sort of unlocked something inside me when it came to feeling those really deep emotions that nothing else could at the time. And so when I was going through tough stuff and thing, and and also experiencing death for the first time, it was actually music where I found some sort of connection with, with my grief. Was that a bit the same for you? Is that why you started? Um, in some sense, I think maybe it unlocked some part of myself that felt more alive. I remember going to university and seeing bands on the stage and just like, wow all the people like being lifted by the experience and and I, and I would always be like oh I wish that was me on the stage sort of yeah rather than just like I enjoyed being in the audience but there was always this part of me that would would love to be up there like felt the draw to uplift people mm. again I think thinking about death the relationship death is really really about how we live our life and feel more alive when we're here so yeah. that's a really nice connection yeah. too so you you were self-taught as a songwriter but you have also done some training songwriting training haven't you or yeah. been involved in yeah. working with other songwriters to learn the craft from them yeah that's a more recent thing that's with mm. um, a woman Charlotte Yates who runs songwriting courses and schools and that's been great it's been the the biggest part of it for me has been finding my community. I've often felt quite isolated in Golden Bay, like, yeah, just as a singer-songwriter. And and just going and meeting people who got it was just like, oh. And so, so I've been going to these retreats once every year, and it's just like, oh, that just sort of nourishes that part of me. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So in prep for today's show, I've asked you to think of so, some of the tracks on your new album that have a link to... Um, the topic of mm. death and grief but more generally what is can we begin by lo looking at the general question of what the relationship for you is between death and grief and songwriting before we dive in and look at the specific songs mm. i think it, it's what i said before something about um just feeling alive yeah mm. and um i i just find my so the songs that come out of me seem to reflect parts of my life and themes in my life and um yeah sometimes those themes are around grief and death sometimes they're around other things but yeah just something just for me the whole process is about um letting go of numbness and expressing myself and expressing parts of my life yeah mm. Mm. and I've, I've been thinking a lot lately about struggling with expectations on people coming to performances and who should come and my friends should come and and I've distilled it down to um, what, I, what I really want to do if I can just open somebody's heart just a little bit from playing a song or them listening to a song then it's about me and just wanting to, to express myself and maybe open someone's heart just a little bit yeah beautiful beautiful so tell me about the title of the new album it's um, Next Exit from Babylon. It's a great title, uh, album name. Yeah. Tell me about the story behind that. Um, well, that, that's actually the, the song. There's a song, Next Exit from Babylon, which is the only song which I re-recorded from my first album. Um, yeah, and it's a song that I wrote years ago in Wellington, and it's about 
uh, stepping out of the mainstream. And yeah, it talks about the the idea of Babylon, um, just like mainstream society, just going towards this Tower of Babel and Babylon that's collapsing, like unknowingly. And yeah, I had this idea of an album cover, which I never did, but it was sort of me hitchhiking on this big highway with all these green signs saying Babylon and me trying to get off and head off in another direction. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's Mm. great. Actually, speaking of, um, so you've got a a booklet that comes with this album because these days most music is released digitally um, Mm. rather than on CD. But So um, before, actually, why not give it a plug now? How can people um, find the music and, um, and purchase it? Uh, yeah, um, so it's on Bandcamp, so it's under Nick Faint, N-I-C-K-F-E-I-N-T. Um, yeah, so you can go to Bandcamp, it's probably the best way of it. And I'm also on Facebook and website, both under Nick Faint. Yeah. Great. Great. So tell us, the first song we're, track we're going to talk about today is Another Good Man. Do you mm. want to tell us a little bit about the process, the, the, the inspiration for for that song yeah sure so another good man i wrote for my good friend peter hopkins who used to live in tui community and my when i first moved to golden bay i moved to tui community um and he was diagnosed with cancer and um he was a very vital man and a real mentor to me he did um he was very fit and healthy he used to do um masters weightlifting he'd had all these weights and i'd hear him grunting away outside my studio when i was making my jewelry and um and he, he had this belief that you didn't need to get old and die. And um, somehow that came around to get him in the end. And then he was diagnosed with cancer and went through a long journey. He lived just up the hill from me of dying. And we used to make meals and take them up. And it was, yeah, quite a long process. I think I wasn't very connected with it. I think my numbness was in there. I tried to be. And then... A few days before he died, I remember going to visit him in the hospital in Tarkaka. And just, we both knew it was the last time we'd see each other. And I remember just as I left, we we looked in each other's eyes and I just saw this huge fear of, uh, just fear of the unknown, That well, my story anyway, that like he knew he was going to die. And it was a very profound moment. There's a line about that in the song. And then... He died and we had the wake up at his house, which is on the top of this huge hill in Wainui Bay. It overlooks the whole bay. And he was lying there in this coffin and we just, people just came and went for a few days around the coffin. And there was photos, photograph albums of his early years. I remember, like, he grew up in the 50s and there was these teenage, like, um, sort of a, he was sort of like had one of those muscle shirts and you know real, real 50s good looking guy um yeah so yeah the song's basically about my process of that shall we have a listen to it now sure let's do it <laughs> Well, it was just another ordinary evening When the news came through about you I knew that it was coming But I still found it hard to believe that it was true Cos just a few short days ago I looked into your eyes Saw the fear of the unknown as we made our last goodbyes And now it's Champagne and Pink Floyd and I'm choking back those tears 
Open photograph albums How you've changed and stayed the same through the years There's one last toast to you There's glasses raised all around the room Cause everybody's gotta die sometime But sometimes Well it's too soon Another good man has left this mortal coil And we need every good man on deck With the world in such turmoil You've left mighty big shoes to fill And I wonder who will Will it be you or me? Fine day, I pray I'll understand the reasons God took you away. Although I know that's not for me to say, I just have to believe that somehow it all fits with some master plan. And the greater good is served in ways that I could never fully understand. Blessings on the mark you made on this world and the mark that you made on me Blessings on the way you opened my heart and the things that you helped me to see May the ripples of your life spread out, heal this wounded world And all those flags flying at half-mast rise up be unfurled Be unfurled Another good man has left this mortal And we need every good man on deck With the world in such turmoil You've left mighty big shoes to fill And I wonder who will Will it be you or me? I'm gonna step up to be all that I can be Another good man has left this water for That was Another Good Man by Nick Faint and it's from his latest album, Next Exit from Babylon. And Nick is in the studio with me today. Welcome back after that song, Nick. Thanks so much for that um, creation. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. my pleasure. Yeah. So the um, next song that you nominated for us to talk about is Longest Day. And this Mm. is uh, based on an experience of yours that was probably the most challenging experience you'd had um, at that point in your life. Is that is that yeah, fair to say? I think that's pretty accurate, yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> so, probably for, of my whole life, really. Yeah. 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 So um, tell, tell us the story. 
Yeah, so this the next two songs actually are about the um, birth of my son Theo, who was born at 25 weeks um, premature. So, and the longest day is about yeah, just the whole experience of um, yeah, just like one night it went. Um, my my ex-wife was not supposed to be in labour, and she just suddenly started having all these pains, um, and then. We, so we raced into the Takaka Medical Center and the midwife there, I think she actually said that your child was dead pretty much, but there, yeah, uh, but there was sort of some hope, I guess. So they called the helicopter in and um, it was at dawn. I remember this helicopter that's in the song too, this helicopter coming in this beautiful dawn morning and um took my took my wife to the hospital and I had to drive over the hill in the car through the ice it was in the middle of winter and then so I frantically drove over to Nelson Hospital and then we were in the air ambulance to Wellington and then the Welling and then the normal ambulance to the Wellington Hospital um, and then we waited for I think he hung in there for like two or three days like every day counted for him to have a better chance of his lungs working and then, yeah, he was born by cesarean two or three days later. Yeah, mm. weighing 920 grams. Yeah, so, um, but the good news is he's now 18 and um, very solid. And, yeah, it doesn't seem to have any physical side effects of it, which is awesome. Yeah. And so this song, The Longest Day, is about, um, we were, I must, I can't remember how long it was, a few weeks. I was in Wellington Hospital and then, and then um, I flew back because I had to deal with things back at home. And I remember flying back on this beautiful day. And actually, I remember being really afraid that the plane would crash on the way home or, or afraid of death, essentially. It was interesting that the birth of my son had somehow made me more aware of my own mortality. And so, I, And then I arrived back and I remember opening the door to this sort of studio where we were living and everything was just exactly as we'd left it sort of so yeah this song is yeah basically about that experience of those the, those first few days of hanging in there okay shall we have a listen now to longest day yeah well i open up the door See the dust on the shelves and the piles of stuff on the floor There's a bed unmade And it has been since the morning That our lives were waylaid It's been the longest day It's been the longest day Well, will we sink or swim? Cause it's a great big ocean That we find ourselves wallowing in that morning as the distant thump 
of the helicopter blades grew louder and louder, drowning out the sweet dawn chorus. And I looked into your eyes. There was a moment that we shared, 'cause this is real life now. And sometimes there's reason. Sometimes to be there's scared. reason to be It's scared. It's been the longest day. It's been the longest day. It's been the been listening to The Longest Day by Nick Faint from his new album Next Exit from Babylon and Nick's here in the studio with me today. Nick I was curious when listening to that song whether you were able to hold Theo at all after he was born prematurely. Yeah they actually they encouraged holding they called it kangaroo cuddling but and it, like he was in this incubator with like a million wires and stuff coming off his arms and legs and there'd be this elaborate procedure of like maneuvering him with all these wires and that to go onto your bare chest and he would just like cling there like a limpet with all his four legs his arms and his legs like mm. dunk <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. and how how was he did he feel your hand or was he a little bit bigger than your hand when he was first born when you were first able to hold him for the first time there's a photo of him actually um, against my hand and he's just slightly bigger than my hand wow. so yeah he's, he was pretty tiny yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. we'll talk a bit about how much of a strapping young lad he is in a moment but let's talk about the, um, the next song which is also about Theo yeah so song the, for Theo yeah the next song's called song for Theo yeah so this one sort of carries on the journey um, and it's got a bit of a story to it. It was So we were in Wellington Hospital um, living across the road in Ronald McDonald House and um, they were knocking down the hospital at the time, the old hospital, with these big wrecking balls. And it was the middle of winter, really grim, and there'd just be like this bash, bash, start at like seven in the morning. And so we'd go over the road and um, yeah, visit Theo and do these kangaroo cuddles and... Um, it was pretty touch and go for a week or so. There was a few times when 
he almost died. And there was this one time I remember I went out and um, went out to see my mate Luke Hurley was playing. And I had I was so stressed and I had a few beers and I remember coming back into the hospital and the nurse could smell the, the beer on my breath and she just had this look of disgust at me. And, I, and, then, and he had almost died um, that night while, while I was out and just feeling I just felt t- dreadful about it. And then the next day I remember going for this big walk around Wellington just feeling really I was just done. And um, I went on this big walk and I came to this church and I walked into the church and it was empty and I went and sat down at a pew and uh, I just started to feel this huge sense of calm come over me and then suddenly the door bashed open and this cleaning lady came in with a vacuum cleaner and just started vacuuming all around and uh, I was just like, oh, it was, I just felt like there was no respite and there's a reference to that in the song. But um, yeah, I think the song's pretty self-explanatory. Actually, it's um, yeah quite descriptive. So. Okay, then. Well, let's let's have a listen to it, and then maybe we can talk a little bit more about it after we've had yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Once again to the sound of the rain on the window pane The dawn chorus of cars and trucks is singing out of tune to me And needless to say it's another cold and rainy day But I climb out of bed and I make my way Then it's a Game of Frogger across Adelaide Road while trying to stay dry But it's rush hour in the city and the drivers take no pity on me Up five flights of stairs to the neonatal care Pushed through the doors, hit by a blast of warm sterile air Down the hall to the intensive care room With its rows of sterile artificial wombs And there in a plexiglass bubble Surrounded by toys Lies my boy And he's my pride and joy But he's got Tubes and wires are coming out of every limb And alarms going off at the slightest whim And there's life and there's death in the air all around And my heart skips a beat at every alarm sound Someone once told me that God will never hand a person more than they can take But it's surprising how far a soul can stretch before it'll break And if God doesn't answer your prayers for a while Does it mean that her love's not true? Or is she testing you? I know it's one of the two But I'm black and I'm blue 
And I just don't know what is what or who is who anymore I asked for some love but I could feel nothing coming from up above I asked for a rest and you gave me test after test after test I asked for some faith and you gave me the cleaning lady And now time has passed and time has healed Slowly I'm becoming aware of some master plan being revealed I look around the hurricane ravaged island of my soul I'm feeling battered and bruised but I think my heart is still whole There's a golden sunrise in the east and the palm trees are gently swaying And my child is playing I asked you to open my heart, but the strain of it almost tore it apart. I asked for the truth, and you gave me the love and the wisdom of youth. I asked for some trust, and you made me doubt for a while, but I think at last I must. Cause my child is playing. You're listening to Death Walker's Guide to Life, and that was Song for Theo by Nick Faint from his latest album, Next Exit from Babylon. I um, I said to Nick while we were listening to that song um, off air that I love the line about the cleaning lady, and you said you needed to sort of know the story to, to make sense of it with that vacuum cleaner and how the most mundane things seem to be um, increased in significance, don't they, when you're right up against life and death? Yeah, they sure do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So Theo, as you mentioned earlier in the show, has just turned 18. He has, and he's, yeah. he's getting tall. He's he almost yeah. as tall as you. Not getting close, is he? Yeah, he's maybe not as tall, but he's broader in the shoulders. Yeah, yeah. and he's following in your footsteps as um, with an interest in music. So tell yeah. us a little bit about Theo's music and where he's at. Well, he was like right from when he was basically a baby. He, any kind of instrument, he would just crawl to it and start bashing on it. And yeah, he's been really talented. He's, he's studying music at NMIT at the moment. And his latest interest is rapping. <laughs> so he really likes rap. He loves the words like me. He does mm. very complicated word plays. But mm. he's also very talented on different instruments. And yeah, I'm very excited to see what he comes up with in the end. Yeah. yeah. Is he second year now? Yeah, he's in yeah. second year now. Yeah. 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 So he'll be having a performance towards the end of the year. Yeah, Sometimes. yeah. I went yeah. to one a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. They have them through the year, and then a final one. Yep, the, the, the final one later. I think it's sometime in late October. Yeah, November. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah great. Mm. People can probably find out more about that by going to the NMIT Facebook page. I know they always promote those shows yep. there. Yeah. So you're about to welcome into the world your third child. I am. How are yeah. you feeling about that, Nick? 
I'm feeling very excited. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And some fear, but yeah, really excited. Yeah. 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 It's wonderful. Yeah. It's um yeah, I I hadn't expected that I was gonna be having another child. And now that I've um grown into the idea I'm feeling really excited and I notice I'm feeling a real sense of aliveness around it and a, a sense of opening and just having the chance to connect with that young being I can already feel my heart opening just like oh and mm. and I've never been to a like, an, like a normal birth before so I'm really hoping that we're able to have a beautiful home birth mm. with my beautiful partner Rose and yeah I'm super excited yeah. And Rose also sings vocals on at least she one does. track on the yeah, album, doesn't on Grace, she? Grace, she sings yeah. vocals. Yeah, yeah. she's got awesome. a beautiful voice. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, you reminded me when you were just talking about that something evoked in me that sort of connection with the divine or um, the unknown. And I love that you call God She in that yeah. song for Theo. <laughs> yeah. Well spotted. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, my final question for you is uh, a question I ask all of my guests, and that is for I'd like you to nominate just the first song that comes to head that you would like played at your funeral wake or the memorial of your death. And it can be one of your own songs if you like. You don't have to think of another <laughs> artist, but yeah. is there a song? Because I'm compiling a playlist on Spotify of mm. people's, all my guests' farewell songs. So, yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. Um, I think I am going to say one of my own songs. I'm going to cheat. Go for it. I'm going to say Grace because it's the last song on my album and Rose sings on it and I just love it. It's got cello and somehow it um, encompasses all the last part of my life and awakening to the beauty of life and feeling and having pain and joy and yeah so mm-hmm. that's what i choose mm. and fully expressing all of those emotions yeah not just through your songwriting but also you know in communication with, yeah, with absolutely. people close yeah. to you yeah. Yeah, yeah great and not close to me too hopefully yeah mm. yeah yeah mm. great thank you so much for joining me on the show today nick it's been an absolute pleasure and i'm sure my listeners our listeners will enjoy hearing some of your songs and just a reminder if you're listening out there that you can go to Bandcamp and search nick faint and that's f-e-i-n-t and you can find the latest album next excerpt from babylon thanks so much for joining me today nick cool thanks for the opportunity You're listening to Death Walker's Guide to Life with Kerry Sunderland and I've just been chatting with Nick Faint about his new album Next Exit from Babylon. And now it's time for Death on Screen and today I'd like to talk a little more about one of the poems Anna Jackson included in her latest book Actions and Travels, How Poetry Works, which I talked about at the beginning of today's show. And the poem is Good Bones by American poet Maggie Smith. Originally published in the journal Waxwing in June 2016, Good Bones went viral on Twitter back in 2016 in the wake of a nightclub shooting in Florida, cementing Smith as one of the leading poetic voices in the Twitterverse. As Dan Coyes writes in an article published on Slate, the poem spread all over social media because it wittily distilled a very particular feeling of being afraid about the world and daunted by the challenges of raising kids in it. Thanks to the Poetry Foundation, you can listen to Maggie Smith reading Good Bones. I will share the link to this on my website, Deathwalkersguidetolife.com. 
bonesandbones.com. Good Bones continues to be one of those poems that is shared widely on social media and Wikipedia estimates it has been read by at least one million people. And I'm sure that all you listeners out there will enjoy listening to it too and possibly even sharing it yourself and its audience will continue to grow. Thank you so much for joining me on today's show. We've come to the end of today's show. You've been listening to Death Walker's Guide to Life with Kerry Sunderland. Find out more about the show and catch up on previous episodes at deathwalkersguidetolife.com. Once again, Kamihi, a big thank you to Tasman District Creative Community Scheme for supporting the show. Matiwa. See you next time. Fly away. The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.